The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. battle for your salvation must be fought in the mind. The battle for your salvation must be fought in your mind. What you do, your actions are a reflection 
of what's been going on in your spirit, in your mind. When you fill your mind with junk, there will only be junk that comes out of it. The devil wants in every way to find what he calls pleasure, to fill your time and your activities. He wants you to be saturated with the entertainment of this day. He wants you to be filled with the obligations and responsibilities of this day. He wants you to be angered when people disagree with your priorities. He wants to cause a feverishness in your mind so that you never settle and make good decisions. I sat recently with a couple. Their minds were feverish in their disagreement. But it was not long after coming in peace and reflecting with them on reality that the feverishness left their minds. They became calm and rational and were able to think through a very difficult problem that they were facing and find an adequate solution based on the direction of the Holy Spirit. You see, the scriptures say, they put it this way. This is the first epistle of Peter, the first chapter. Gird up the loins of your mind, verse 13. In other words, of Instead of just letting yourself go to flab and flap, pull your mind in. Be in charge of your own mind. Don't let your mind go wherever it happens to flow. Many of you have minds like a stray dog. It goes sniffing everywhere it can go sniff. It sniffs the uncleanness. It sniffs the trees. It sniffs everything. No, put your mind on a leash. And with direction and with goals, move forward with determination toward what you know is righteous. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I want you to win this battle. Jesus Christ said he has overcome the world. He has the victory. Now the question is, will you let Jesus have the victory in your mind? And Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. What does it mean to be holy? 
but without holiness no one will see the Lord. So what is holiness? It's a very intense term. It's a term that literally means to be set apart for a designated and special purpose. The Lord calls us to be set apart to his kingdom, set apart to his purpose, set apart from the world, that we might be a part of his church. We are called to be set apart, not to go roaming in every unclean place and indulging in every kind of unclean lust, not indulging in every kind of daydream. A dear woman one day asked me, Pastor, I find myself often daydreaming. Is that wrong? I answered her, It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. Instead of daydreaming, why don't you go in the direction of the Holy Spirit and let him direct you in what he wants you to do? Daydreaming is for victims. It's for the powerless. It's for those who are aimless. It's for those who have never picked up their mind and said, this is what needs to happen. Now, how do I go about that? He says, be holy, for I am holy. That's what the Lord says. As if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. So you are here for a short time. During this time while you are here, conduct yourself in fear because you're on probation. Some of you say, oh, pastor, no, I'm not on probation. I'm saved. You're saved from what? What are you saved to and what are you saved from? We must be saved from our sin. We must be saved from our lustful and wicked hearts. I find great joy in coming at daybreak, going outside on the back patio, and reading the scriptures. Spending wonderful time in the presence of Jesus, deliberately starting my day in his presence. Now, I've started my day usually long before that in the prayer closet. But when the sun begins to come up and it begins to be more pleasant, I want to be outside where I can watch the birds. I can enjoy nature, the squirrels and the rabbits, the hawks. I can enjoy the fox. But most of all, I enjoy reading the scriptures and taking control of my mind and not allowing it to wander into fear, not allowing it to become fevered with money or responsibilities, but to simply come into the presence of Jesus and enjoy him. He says, 
knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but we manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God. So Jesus manifests himself by the Father in these last times. He raised him from the dead. He gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Now, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flowers fall away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. First Peter, the first chapter, and part of chapter 2. Have you tasted of the Lord? I have. The taste is wonderful. There is nothing like the bread of life. There is nothing like the spilled blood that we drink. There is not anything that can compare to this. I want to tell you today, I am very aware that I am as the grass of the field. I am here today and tomorrow I may be gone. So I come very sober, very serious. And I say to you, the battle must be fought in your mind. You must decide in your mind whom you will serve. You must decide in your mind where you are going. Are you a pilgrim on the way to the celestial city, walking through the desert of this land, being ministered to by the grace of Jesus, being encouraged by the word and being encouraged by brothers and sisters who walk with you in the word, in Jesus. The word is Jesus. It means we cannot give way in our minds to the foolishness of this world talking about the world, talking about the enticements of this world, talking about the wickedness of this world, having our minds set on money, silver and gold, 
not having our minds set on anything in this world, but with a clean, clear focus, knowing that we are on pilgrimage with Jesus and we are not going to be turned aside, not to the left and not to the right. I want to come back today to Pilgrim's Progress, the book. We named this broadcast Pilgrim's Progress after the book written by Bunyan. We did so because the cry of my heart is for a successful pilgrimage on your part and on my part. That we would walk together toward the heavenly kingdom where we would hold one another accountable in the journey. We would speak kindly one to another. We would put off all malice, bitterness, lies, deceptions of the devil. And so day by day as I come to this broadcast, I want to help you on the journey toward heaven. I'm not here to give you strategies for living a successful life in this world. I'm not here to help you understand how to gain wealth and prosperity, how to misuse faith for your own tool. Unbelievers can use faith as a tool using witchcraft, making all kinds of affirmations and all kinds of spiritual exercises. I'm not interested in that. It's foolishness. It's death. What I am interested in is successfully walking through that celestial gate of the heavenly New Jerusalem. Well, John Bunyan, speaking about this, tells this story of faithful and Christian as they go through Vanity Fair. There they are scorned and mocked, beaten, spit upon. And faithful suffers a cruel death, a martyrdom. And we find Christian left in prison for quite some time. He who overrules all things, having the power of even his enemy's rage in his own hand, he brought about an escape for Christian from their evil plans to execute him. And when he was finally set free, with the help of hopeful, It says, I saw in my dream that Christian did not escape Vanity Fair by himself, for there was with him a man named Hopeful, a name he was given as he watched how Christian and faithful in their words and in their deeds conducted themselves during all their sufferings at the fair. Hopeful was joined together with Christian, and they entered into a brotherly covenant together, promising they would be companions for the rest of the journey. So one died to bear testimony to the truth. Another rose out of his ashes to be a companion with Christian in his pilgrimage. Hopeful also told Christian that there were many more men in the, in the city who would in due course follow after them to the celestial city. I pray that there are many people today listening to this broadcast who will follow me to the celestial city. 
and that you will gain successful access to the throne of Jesus, that you will be welcomed into the presence of the Lord because you have set your mind on pilgrimage. You know where you're going. You know where you've come from and you know where you're headed. And you are a determined traveler. I always loved Jonathan Edwards' story or illustration when he said, when you are on a journey and you stop for the night at a pleasant place of rest, a hotel, you enjoy the comfort of the bed, you enjoy the comfort of the food, but the next morning you don't say, you know, this has been so pleasant, I think I'm just going to live here permanently. No, hotels are not normally a place where a man goes to live day after day. They are rather a stopping place on a journey. Some of you listening to this broadcast, please, you've begun to camp out with your job. You've begun to camp out with your comfortable car and house. You've forgotten what it was like to sacrifice for Jesus. There are some of you who could help this broadcast go to the FM side of the dial, but it would require large amounts of money. And you have not been moved by the Spirit or you have not allowed yourself to be moved to sacrifice that. But you know that this message pricks your conscience and calls you to walk with Jesus. I pray that nothing will stop you in this journey. It's the cry of my heart. I weep in the prayer closet, asking Jesus, would he bring you successfully to that celestial city? And I pray that there are many that I've never heard from who will make the journey, who will finally see the destruction of of everything of darkness and flee the city of destruction and come to the city, the celestial city, the heavenly Jerusalem. Well, Bunyan goes on, I saw in my dream that soon after they had left the fair at Vanity Fair, they overtook a man walking ahead of them whose name was By-Ends. So they said to him, What country are you from, sir, and how far are you going on this way? And he told them that he came from the town of Fair Speech and that he was going to the celestial city. But he didn't tell him his name. From Fair Speech? Does anything good live there? said Christian. Well, yes, I hope so, said Byens. Please, sir, what is your name? inquired Christian. Byens answered, I'm a stranger to you and you to me, but if you're going this way, I shall be glad to be your company. If not, I must be content to walk alone. Well, I've heard of of this town of fair speech, said Christian, and as I remember, they say it was quite a wealthy place. I want to stop, please, just a moment. What's the name of your church? Do you go to church? 
Do you go to a church called Fair Speech where everything is smooth and comfortable? Are you a, a part of Fair Speech? A wealthy, a wealthy place? Buy-ins agreed. Yes, I will assure you that it is. I have many rich relatives who live there. May I be so bold as to ask who some of your relatives are who live there? Buy-ins reported, almost the whole town is related to me. And in particular, Lord Turnaround, Lord Time Server, Lord Fair Speech, other relatives include Mr. Smooth Tongue, Mr. Facing Both Ways, Mr. Anything, and the parson of our parish, Mr. Two Tongues. He is my uncle on my mother's side, and to tell you the truth, I've become a gentleman of good quality, even through my great-grandfather was only a ferryman looking one way and rowing another. Oh, I... I read this and it pierces my heart and yet it makes me smile because the description is so apt. Do you look one way and row the opposite direction? Are you one way in public and another way in private? Is your heart filled with with lust and cursing and the love of fornication, pornography, the love of drugs, the love of money, power, prestige, recognition. Does your face look one way and everybody sees you looking that way, but in fact you're rowing the opposite direction? Christian asks him, Are you a married man? Bayans replied, Yes, and my wife is a very virtuous woman, the daughter of a virtuous woman. She comes from a very honorable family and has arrived to such a pinnacle of breeding that she knows how to act cordially and respectfully to all, princes and peasants alike. It is true that we differ in religion from those of the stricter sort, but only in two small points. First, we never strive against the wind and the tide. And secondly, we're always most zealous when religion goes about in his silver slippers. We love to walk with him in the street if the sun is shining and the people are applauding him. Then Christian stepped aside to his friend Hopeful and he said, I believe this is the person they call by ends of fair speech. If it is he, then we have in our company one of the most deceitful rogues who ever lived in this part of the country. Hopeful said, well, ask him. I don't think he should be ashamed of his name. So Christian came up to him and again he said, sir, you talk as if you know more than most people in the world. And if I'm not mistaken, I would guess that your name is Mr. Byans of Fair Speech. Byans protested, that's not my name. That's insulting. 
I don't like that name. But haven't you given occasion for men to call you by this name? Christian pressed. Never, never, Mr. Byans protested. The worst thing I ever did was to invite such a name was to have a good luck to jump in and ride the tide of the times, profiting thereby from my skill at knowing which way the wind of change was blowing. Is that a crime? Then I must count it as a blessing. But I will not let the malicious load me up with reproach. Well, we could stop and talk for a long time about this issue. This issue of never striving against the wind. There was a music ditty I used to sing as a child at camp. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. I don't want to row my boat down the stream because downstream takes me to the waterfall and destruction. I am purposely rowing my boat upstream. I am purposely saying no to the easy ride. I'm not interested in where the wind and the tide would want to take me. I'm not interested in silver slippers. I know many trust in the traditions of their fathers, and they have their rituals, and they set great store by those, and if you don't abide by the church calendar, they look at you as though you're a heretic. I don't like the church calendar because it sets a rigid schedule for men and women who are not following the power and presence and the glory of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be reminded of those special events. I am reminded by the Holy Spirit daily as I read his scripture of what he thinks is important. Do you ever strive against the wind and the tide? Well, if my job's going to move and it's going to take me over here, I'm leaving, I'm going. Wherever the opportunity is, that's where I'm going. Really? Is your life driven by opportunity? I'll be honest, I can remember when my life was totally driven by opportunity. The next break the next invitation to a larger church, the next call to be the keynote speaker at a large conference where thousands would be in attendance. I'm not driven by that anymore. I have turned aside and I have said, Jesus, I'm going against the wind and the sea. I'm not going to drift downstream rowing my little boat. I have set in my mind that I will follow Jesus Christ. 
that I will take up my cross daily and I will follow him regardless of the price that costs me. Have you made that determination yet? Have you said, Lord, I am yours, lock, stock, and barrel. I am yours, everything about me I now give to you, my wife, my husband, my babies, my job, my church. I put everything in your hands, Jesus. Now would you order my steps? And you pull your mind up, and you're sober and diligent. You want to be holy. You want to be filled with the power of God. Oh, brother, sister, now you've got something real. Bunyan uses these strange names like Mr. Byans. But go deeper. Ask what he's saying. Ask what he means. Christian said, Just as I thought, you are the man of whom I've heard, and, and to tell you the truth, I fear your nickname belongs to you more properly than you would like us to think. Mr. Byans countered, Well, if this is what you think, I cannot help it even so. You will find me to be good company if you will still allow me to travel with you. Well, if you will go with us, you must go against the wind and the tide, which I believe is against your principles. You must also stand by religion in his rags, as well as when he is in his silver slippers. You must stand by him when he is bound in irons, as well as when he walks the streets and hears the applause. You must not impose your faith on me, Mr. Byans implored. Let me have my views, and let me go with you with my views. And Christian, no, not a step further unless you will do as I have just proposed, even as we will do. Well, I will never desert my old principles since they are harmless and profitable to me. If I may not go with you, then I must do what I did before you caught up with me, which is to go by myself until someone overtakes me who's glad for my company. Now I saw in my dream that Christian and Hopeful forsook him and walked ahead of him a good distance. You know, I look at this. I hate separation. I want everyone to walk together in a joyful manner. I want to be at peace with all men. But there is no peace if a man or a woman determines to go with the wind and the tide. There's no peace in the house when a house is divided against itself. A house divided cannot stand. There's no peace between you and another person if that person 
is only interested in compromising righteousness, cheating, lying, stealing, gossiping, burning with anger, contempt. There's no peace between you because your spirit and that person's spirit will be in direct conflict one with another. And this is where it requires very careful consideration and thought to determine what my course of action should be as I take it into the prayer closet and wait upon Jesus for his direction. There have been times when the Lord has told me, don't walk any further with that person. There have been other times when he has said, take control of your mind, Ray, but don't try to control them. Follow me. Follow me. Rest in me. Wait upon me, and I will show you what to do. That's in reality where I am today. I'm waiting on Jesus. And as I wait, I read the scripture and I pray and I listen to his warnings. I take control of my mind. I don't allow the devil to access it with wickedness, with cursing or swearing, with judgments, with bitterness, with anger, with malice, all of that. The Holy Spirit is removed from my mind. The old lust is gone. I'm a new man in Jesus. By his grace and by his power, by his blood, I'm a new man in Jesus. I don't walk the way of the world anymore. And I rejoice when I received your letters, your encouragement, your love. Alex, thank you for your wonderful letter, brother. Thank you. I'm greatly encouraged hearing from other saints who are on the same journey. Now, after a while, Christian looked back and he saw three men following Mr. Byans, and as they came up to him, he greeted them with a low bow, and, he, and they gave him a compliment. The men's names were Mr. Hold the World, Mr. Money Love, and Mr. Save All. These were men with whom Mr. Byans had formerly been acquainted, for in their youth they were fellow schoolmates. They were taught by one Mr. Gripe Man. They'd gone to school in Love Gain, which is a market town in the country of coveting to the north. The schoolmaster taught them the art of getting, either by violence, fraud, flattery, lying, or putting on a guise of religion. And these four gentlemen had become so proficient in the art of their master that they now each had their own school. When they'd all greeted each other, Mr. Moneylove said to Mr. Byans, Who are they on the road ahead of us? Byans responded, They are a pair from a far-off country going on pilgrimage in their own way. Moneylove asked, Why didn't they stay with you so that we might have had their good company? 
for they and we, sir, are all going on pilgrimage. I want you to hear what Bunyan is saying. He's not talking about pagans here. He's talking about people who call themselves Christians. And he's saying there's some Christians you can't walk with. There are some Christians who blow with the wind, who refuse to gird up their mind, who refuse to be sober, who refuse to take charge of their life and commit themselves to the journey to the celestial city. Instead, they wander around like dogs, roaming the world, running here and there, sniffing here, growling there, but no home to go to, no place of rest and security. So are we, Bayan said, but the men before us are rigid and in love with their own notions. They disdain the opinions of others with a superior attitude that is so narrow that if we don't agree with them in all things, they throw us out of their company. Saval commented, That's bad. I've read about those who become overcome and overzealous in righteousness, judging and condemning everyone but themselves. But tell me, what were the points upon which you disagreed? Bayans answered, why they concluded that it is their duty to rush ahead on their journey in all weather, without waiting for favorable wind or tide. They would risk all in a moment for God, while I, on the other hand, am for taking advantage of all the moments to secure my life and my estate. They are for holding their notions, though all other men are against them. But I'm for religion so far as the times and my safety will bear it. They are for religion when in rags and contempt. But I'm for religion when he walks in his golden slippers in the sunshine with applause. I've tried to talk about this in so many ways in so many different times. Some of you have accused me of having only one sermon. The crying need in our day is for Christians to stop walking with the world and to walk with Jesus. Not in some silly, sentimental manner, but in a disciplined, set-apart manner. A Christian is not going to be found at the world's sporting events. Christians are not going to be found in the movie theaters. Christians are not going to be found in the dance hall or in the in the club. They're not going to be found telling jokes, laughing and gossiping, spinning out their yarns. No, Christians are going to be found in places of great joy, but sober. In places where Jesus is lifted up in places where we love to talk about the journey and and the overcoming by the power of the blood, where we know what it means to fall and have a brother help pick us up, 
and set our minds straight. We love when a brother or sister speaks to us in a manner that encourages us and does not condemn us. We're not going to wait for a favorable time to say, I'm a Christian. I will boldly walk out the life of Jesus Christ in this culture and in this day. I will be firm in my opposition to the wicked wickedness of murdering babies. A Christian will never be heard to say it's a woman's right to murder her baby. A Christian will not say that. Oh, a a Christian like these men who go with the favorable wind or the tide, who don't risk anything for following Jesus, who do not seek to establish their life and their estate. No, true Christians discipline their mind. They learn what real righteousness is. They learn by suffering. Their pride is disciplined. They walk with integrity before an almighty God, even in secret. They don't give way to the lust of the flesh or the pride of heart. They know who Jesus is and they know where they're going and they know what the price is that they're going to pay. And they willingly and joyfully pay the price to not fill their lives with the foolishness and the casualness of this world. I listened to a pastor, a very large mega church pastor. He was dressed in a casual church, in a casual shirt, as he walked to the pulpit. And he stood there and joked and laughed with the congregation for for some time. Talked about the worldly things. And then finally said, Today our scripture is, and he gave the scripture. And then he went into a very intelligent and erudite explanation of that passage of scripture. And everyone laughed with him at his jokes Everyone enjoyed his entertainment. And then he closed his message. It was about 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. And then they went to their wonderful, quote, unquote, worldly music. And that was church. That's Mr. Byan's church. That's Mr. Moneylove's church. That's Mr. Hold the World church. That's Mr. Save All church. That's, that's the Broadway church. Pastor David Wilkerson was my father in the faith. He was the one who helped found the National Prayer Chapel. I've spent many wonderful hours sitting and talking and walking with him. He's gone now to the Lord. 
But I want to tell you, when he went to the pulpit, he didn't laugh and joke. He gave the title of his sermon. He prayed. And then he began to swing the sword as hard as he could against the darkness and evil of both the day and the membership. He was encouraging. He always shook his finger in my face and said, Ray, preach judgment with mercy. I'll never forget that. So on one hand, I come with a message of judgment against the power of darkness, against those who do not gird up their mind, who do not see the war for what it is. I try to constantly call you out of that lukewarm, hard-hearted casualness, and I ask you to come and be soft-hearted before God, to be tender before God, to be filled with compassion before God, but to walk in holiness. Well, we're almost out of time today for this. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk more about this confronting of worldly attachments and the and the meaning of girding up your mind because that's where the battle is. If I decide today that the Holy Spirit is calling me to make a trip to Worcester, Ohio. I'm going to put in the GPS, Worcester, Ohio. I know the way, but I'll do it anyway. But believe me, I will not head north. I'm not going to go toward New York City. No, my mind will direct my path because it knows where I want to end up. Your mind is directing your path, and it will take you either to heaven or to hell. It may take a very religious church. It may take you to hell through all the rituals of the Christian life. But it will not take you to Jesus. I want you to go to Jesus. You see, the only reason I want to go to the celestial city is because that's where Jesus is. That's his home. That's where the the temple is, the heavenly temple. I want to be with Jesus. Jesus is the one I love. I want to be with him. So where are you headed today? Are you caught with all of your, the lust of your heart, the the smoking and the drinking and the partying, the gossiping, the loving money and going after this life? Are you caught by just being comfortable, having a few friends and enjoying your time? Or are you going somewhere? Are you on your way? I pray today you're on your way to the heavenly city. 
I want to see you there. I want to meet you there. I'd love to meet you before that, but I want to meet you there for sure. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. I thank my dear sister who sent a wonderful gift on PayPal. You can go to PayPal by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the donate button. I'd love to hear and receive the gift to Jesus that we can stay on this radio broadcast. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you notice, I don't do giveaways. I think the gospel is worth everything. I think the message that you hear is worth your investment. So I don't try to attract the selfish side of your nature by offering you tapes and CDs and this and that. No, I want you to give because Jesus is worthy. Write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, you've listened to Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with Jesus Christ alone.